Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Kevin Kaufman, your host of the Kevin and Fred Next Level Podcast, the podcast where we bring you weekly business tips and tricks, as well as in-depth interviews with leading minds in real estate and entrepreneurship to help you take your business to the next level. Chris Heller, the home seller. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you, Kevin? Doing good, man. So this one is fun for me because uh, one of the things I love about being able to do this podcast is interviewing uh, people that I know uh, personally uh, as well as professionally, and, and I've gotten to to know you in both ways over the last decade or so since I first met you, and uh, you know I've been a student of your career, and so it's fun for me to be able to kind of chat with you and share some of the stories I've heard before uh, with the rest of our uh, Next Level podcast listeners. So thanks a lot for being here today, Chris. Hey, my pleasure. It's always fun. Cool. So, so do I, I guess we do know each other because I was just texting you last night about, you know, we have similar music tastes. So yeah, and it was funny, you know, well, what you, uh, what was funny is there's someone else on that text string and, uh, you had texted me about music, which that's usually just you and me. Right. And, right. uh, and so I was, I was thinking like, well, now he knows that we sit around and basically text about the Dodgers, uh, or music or some other sport or event that we, that we want to go to. So I, I was right. laughing at that. So, um, do, let's do, do me a favor. Tell, like, tell, take me back to the beginning of your real estate career. When did you get licensed and what made you kind of decide to pursue the path of a business in the real estate world? You know, um, I, so I never had an interest in getting into real estate. I had an interest in real estate. When I was a little kid, my grandfather, um, was a pharmacist invested in real estate and, and developed and built apartment buildings and he'd build them and rent them all out and then sell them and do it again. And then when I was in college, my, my freshman year, me and my dad bought a house in the town in San, Lu <coughs> San Luis Obispo. Um, I was going to Cal Poly and uh, just as an investment is we hired a contractor, he built the house and then we, we flipped it. And then my, at the end of my sophomore year, my dad said, hey, you're going to get your real estate license and come up here and work for the summer. And he was up in Lake Tahoe and he was managing a timeshare resort. So I was like, okay. So I, um, school got out. I, um, he had an apartment in San Francisco. He had just moved out of and uh, was up in Lake Tahoe. So I went in this empty apartment, spent two weeks there by myself and studied every day did a two-day crash course, and then on the following Monday, went in, took the test, passed the test, and then went up to Lake Tahoe and started selling timeshares. So that was, um, that was 1983 that I, um, I got my real estate license. And I was 20 years old. Um, later that summer, he got an opportunity to go to San Diego to run a resort, and I went with him because I was still out of school for the summer. And then I, I never left. I just stayed in San Diego and, and then transferred schools and but was working full time. About three years into selling timeshares, I, um, I, I remember this vividly. I was, I was at this resort in Carlsbad and it was a, the lobby was two stories. It was the end of the day. Most people had gone home and I was standing up on the second story, looking down in the lobby, you know, just leaning on the railing and this nice looking couple walked in. And in my head, I was like, okay, there's my, there's my next sale. So I go down and start talking to him. And the guy owned a real estate company up the street. Uh, and he said, hey, 
I want to own one of these, but I don't want to, I don't want to write you a check. I want you to come and present this to all my agents. And as they send you referrals, you apply those to, to me owning one of these. So I said, okay. So I went to his office and I'm like 20 years old and, um, and go into this real estate office and, you know, present to all these people. And, uh, and for the next three years, that broker would call me, write me handwritten notes. Every time he saw me, he tried to get me to come work for him. You, know, you, you need to be in real estate. You need to come work for me. You know, this went on for three years and I ended up starting my own marketing company and, and leased a, an office and used him to handle that. And make long, I had a partner and, you know, the, the business went like this and then like that because my partner went off the deep end and, um, and I didn't know how to handle my partner. And so I went back to him and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, that company's closing down. I'm going to start off on my own. I need a new office. And we sat there in his office and I was, went in to talk to him about leasing the new office and he, um, basically convinced me to get into real estate. And finally I said, all right, fine, I'll, I'll try it. Um, and so I got talked into getting into real estate. That's pretty funny. So let me ask you this, uh, just because I, I know bits and pieces of it and, and please fill me in where I'm wrong, but so phone calls, handwritten notes over a three year period of time, that, that sounds to me a lot like what I've heard about the legend of Chris Heller and how he grew his real estate business. Right. And so is yeah. that where, did you pick that up from him? Did you, Absolutely. he taught me, um, he taught me the importance of being persistent, of being consistent of, uh, you know, the handwritten notes, you know, when I went to work for him, I didn't know anything about real estate and, uh, he was an ex Marine. And so he woke up early and got in the office early. So all I knew is that, I would be there before he got there and I'd stay, I'd be the first one in the, in the last one out. So that was my only, I didn't have any skills, experience, knowledge, uh, intelligence. I had nothing other than, okay, I can work longer and harder than anyone. So I would get there like at six in the morning because he got there like at 6.30, which is crazy. I don't know why he got there at 6.30. I don't know why I got there at six, but um but yeah, I'd be doing my handwritten notes every day and making my calls and prospecting. And that's just all I did all day long. I, there was, I didn't have anything else to do. That's awesome. I, I love that fact that, um, especially early on in the career, you realize like, hey, if I don't have an appointment, what, I probably shouldn't be doing anything other than something that could get me an appointment, right? Um, that's yeah, what he'd I think say I all the time. Yeah, he'd say, hey, you know, you can't sell houses sitting in the office. So get out there and find someone. And, that's what I do. Love that. So I, I'm going to fast forward the story a little bit because there's so many pieces here that I, that I want to touch on. But so uh, tell me about you. You and I had a conversation one time. You, me, and and, and another guy, Seth, and we were talking about how you kind of got it started in re, in investing in real estate and and other businesses and not just relying on your I'll call it your realtor income. What can you can can you just kind of tell me what that process was and because I, know, I remember that you had a method to it and um, I'm curious, do you still use that method or something similar to that today? Yeah. So um, what I shared with you is I'd read early, early in my career. Um, I, I always read and continue to, to read a lot of books. And, um, and the book that I had read way back then was called the richest man in Babylon. And part of that, that story, he talks about 
um, how he was taught to save 10% of all of his earnings to, you know, to save up money and to be able to use that to invest or create wealth. So I read that book and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do 15% because that's better than 10 and I'll get to where I want to go faster. So I literally took every commission I got, 15% of it went into a separate account, an account I didn't touch. And um, sometimes I'd have the escrow company just cut two checks for me, or if it was the broker, or if it, it was one check to me, uh, my bookkeeper would always uh, cut a check for 15%, you know, to a separate account. And, and no matter what, I paid myself that. Even on months where I didn't have the money, I, I can, there were many conversations I had with my bookkeeper where she'd say, hey, um, you know, we can't do the 15% this month. And I said, well, why? What do we, and she goes, well, you have the doctor bill and you got this orthodontist bill for, you know, your kids and yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'd say, at the bottom of the orthodontist bill, what does it say? She said, um, nothing. I said, well, aren't there things that say, you know, zero to 30, 30 to 60, 60 to 90, you know, how many days you're behind? <laughs> And she said, yeah, I go, well, then don't pay it. Um, wait till it's 90 days if we have to, but, you know, pay, pay me first and then we'll figure out, you know, I'll make the money to pay the other stuff. I so I was, that, I was that disciplined about it. Okay. So I want to keep going on the story, but before I do, I kind of have an interjection question. Was it harder to do that when the money was small or when you started selling a lot of real estate and the numbers got big? Um. No, I think it was harder when it was small because it was like, it was literally, how am I going to do this? Or where's the money going to come from? Or I can't, I can't spend any money, you know, on, on this, or we can't go do that because the money wasn't there. When the money is big, obviously it's a bigger amount, but it actually feels better because you're like, okay, now this is a, I'm putting away a decent, decent chunk. That's cool. Okay. So, so you're, you're probably frustrating your bookkeeper because you are going against all things rational and potentially going 90 days late on a bill in order to pay yourself first and build up your retirement and your, your investment and your wealth account. Um, so, so how did that proceed? What, tell me kind of what happens next in the story. Yeah. You know, so I, I kept doing that and I, um, you know, when I'd moved to San Diego right before my 21st birthday, I bought a, bought a, a townhome because I was making good money selling timeshares and um, and then a few years later sold it and bought a house and then got married and then sold it and bought another house. You know, so I kept doing the, the normal the normal thing um, but I wasn't making enough and in San Diego as it is today you know prices were always um, high. Much higher than the, yeah high and higher than the rental amounts were so um, the broker that I worked for owned when I first met him, he owned a coin laundry mat and a, and a self-service car wash, coin line, uh, car wash. And I was like, and I would go with them some days when I'd collect them, the quarters. And, um, and I was like, ah, oh, this is, I need one of these. This is like a cool thing that you can own and it just makes money for you while you're not there. So I kept telling him, Hey, if, you know, if you, if you find another one, I'll go in with you. And, and I kept everything. You know, I always was bringing it up to him. So one day he calls me, this is several years later, and says, um, hey, you always said you wanted to own one of these type of businesses. I go, yeah. He goes, well, I got one. That's a really good one. Um, but the seller won't pay me a commission, so you have to pay me, you know, if you buy it. I go, 
done. You know, if I buy it, it's a good deal. It's, I'm happy to pay you. So, um, so he brought it to me. It was one where he used to be one of the owners and had been bought out by the, the current guy. Anyways, it was a great business. Um, I think the price, this was like in 96. I think it was six, I think it was 650,000. And, um, and, and the guy wanted, um, is either 200 or 250,000 down. And I had been saving up this 15%. So I had this chunk, chunk of money. I had about 150 saved up in, um, and so I needed another hundred and it was, and I think I was closing in September. Yeah, it was September. I was at the Mike Ferry Superstar Retreat in August and I was like a hundred thousand short or, and, or I was going to be a hundred thousand short. So I knew a lot of people there. I knew a lot of great agents. So I, um, and there was one agent broker that I really respected. And I, I asked him if he'd loan me a hundred thousand and I'd be wanting to cross collateralize it against, you know, multiple pieces of real estate that I owned and, um, and here's how I, I'm going to pay you back and blah, blah, blah. And he said, okay. And, and what's funny is that month I had a huge month and I made like 110,000 in real estate commissions and didn't need to borrow the money from him and, and bought this coin laundromat that I still own today. And That's awesome. Uh, and, but it, but I was only able to do that because of that money I saved up. Same thing happened. Um, uh, a few years later, there was a real estate opportunity um, where there was a there was this hill in 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 my area that I I used to say I'd drive up there sometimes and and there was nothing up there and I'd say uh, if I ever won the lottery this is where I'd build this is about this is where I'd build the house and one day I'm watching the MLS and these these seven lots hit the MLS and I'm like. Where are they? I'm looking where they, I go, oh my God, this, this is, this is it. This is that hill. This is the, they're selling these lots on this hill. So I drove up there, called the agent, um, said, Hey, I want to, I want to buy one of these. And, um, she says, well, you better bring me a check, um, you know, to my office. And, uh, because I'm getting tons of calls. And so I called my neighbor and a friend of mine and told them about it. Like, between there and this Cobalt Banker office, I had three of them sold, one for me and two to other people. Um, but again, I was only able to buy and build that house because of the same practice of, of accumulating and saving money that way. That's awesome. Hey, is this, that, is this the hill that I could see from that restaurant that we had uh, for a breakfast at or lunch at last summer in Encinitas? Uh, no, it's right. It's near there. It's Lucadia. It was this little... Um, there's this little cul-de-sac street with like seven or eight lots on it. I have one of my neighbors was Tony Hawk, the skateboarder. Um, oh, wow. The other one was um, the lead singer from that band Blink-182. <laughs> and then the surgeon. And then this real estate agent. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, man. I feel like real estate agents, we always find our ways into the funniest circles. Um yeah. You know, that's that's pretty – I feel like that's typical, So, like in a funny way. So that's really cool. So – Okay, so you, I'm going to fast forward the story a little bit because there, there's a lot here that you've got going on in your career. So you obviously built a humongously massive team. You ended up owning real estate brokerages yourself as investments and businesses. Um, and you eventually ha started going down the path of leadership as well as investing into businesses. 
Um, and so we could start with either one of those. What, is there something specifically that led you to um, go kind of go down either one of those paths? You know, and when I say investments, obviously you've always been doing that, but I also know that you're, you've diversified and you're like me, you love learning about new technologies and new companies. You and I have had plenty of conversations about, um, you know, cryptocurrency to laundromats, you know, so basically every kind of investment in business there is. Um, I'd love to hear kind of some of your thoughts on what led you to some of these other uh, investments that you've made or opportunities that you've taken from whether uh, leadership perspective uh, at uh, Keller Williams like worldwide or, uh, you know, in, in any other roles that you've had. Yeah. I, you know, Kevin, I never had, um, I never had like a plan to, I had lots of plans, but I never had like a leadership plan. Like, you know, I want to, I want to be this, I want to become that. I had a, I had a feeling that everything I was doing was preparing me for something bigger and greater. And I also always operated and, and still do um, that. It, if I do a good enough job and get big enough results that opportunities will 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 present themselves and so i've always um i've always operated that way and you know through the success i was having as an agent through the success i was having as a you know launching market center and building market center and and that, that keller williams saw that and saw what i was doing and then approached me about you know whether i'd be interested in in joining the international company and, and helping them. Uh, the first job was to help them expand, you know, Keller Williams around the world. Uh, it was nothing that I had ever thought of, nothing that I had ever, um, you know, and would never have approached them about. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they saw that in me and, and that's that opportunity presented itself. And, and then um, I jumped at it and I jumped at it just because it seemed like a really challenging thing to do. And it was like, okay, this is, this is as close to impossible without being impossible that I can imagine right now. So yeah, I'm interested. So yeah, that's something I've noticed with you. Um, you definitely are looking for a challenge. Something, um, I'm gonna ask you a question. You might remember this, but last year at the Next Level Agents Con uh, Conference, um, we had a kind of a mastermind VIP dinner the night before. And one of the questions that uh, was asked of all of all of us there it was, what's the thing that makes you weird or makes you different than everybody else that, um, you know, probably helps, it's what helps you be who you are, right? And, and accomplish the things. And I remember your answer, but I, I'd like to ask you that a question again. So what's the thing, Chris, that you think is, it's weird to the rest of the world. Like they, they may, if they realize you do it, they may go, huh? And, uh, but you know, it's one of the things where has helped you get to where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up because just like within the last few days, I was thinking about that dinner, but I couldn't remember where it was or, or why I was at it. So now I remember it was at your conference. Um, and I don't remember that. I remember that question being asked. I don't remember the answer that I gave. And, um, so, so I'll, I'll tell you what I think it might have been, and then you can tell me if this is the okay. right answer. 
or the same answer. Um, the uh, and I don't even know. I don't think this was the answer I gave, but this is what just popped into my head when you just asked it now, and and that is that. Um, And this is even weird for me to say. Is I am, uh, I am probably most comfortable when I am, uh, when I am at. Or, or let me say it this way: oh, comfortable. My, I like at heart, I am a warrior, and. Uh, and so there needs to be a, a good battle to be fought and a worthy one for for me to to go do something. And so uh, that's that's just what went through my head now. I, I don't, and I don't think that was the answer I gave back then. So you can tell me what answer I gave then. You know, I'm now I'm wondering if if I had it mixed up because there was another question that was asked of uh, of those in the room, which was, "What's your superpower?" Yeah. And, and I may be mixing the two up at this point, but one of the things that stuck out to me is I, you, you said something to the effect of, I just literally don't know how to quit. Um, if I said, you know, if I'm going to do something, uh, you know, I, I will, I will just, I will do it and I will keep running at it and trying, trying different ways of accomplishing it. But there, the word quit um, just doesn't really show up for me because if, if it's possible for me to attain, to attain something, which now hearing the story about worldwide makes sense to where, why you took that. Cause you went, well, this is gonna be really, really hard. I don't even know how I can do it, but I do think it's possible. Um, so I, I totally, I totally see that now, but that was one of the things that stuck out to me is, is just your, your superpower and your weirdness of like, yeah, I kind of just get up and go. And I think a lot of people who maybe don't know you as well as I, as I, as I do, Chris, um, can look at you and, and go, okay, well, he's, you're obviously really smart, really successful, but I don't think a lot of people realize what makes you tick. And um, one thing that's clear to me is you know why you're doing things um, and you know what that cause is that you're, you know, fighting for, if you will, or working for. And when you, when you put your mind to something, it's kind of like, you're just going to do it till you get there. It's almost like the, the, the time, you know, if you think about smart goals, like the T is for time you kind of almost don't care about the time because you're just going to get there when you get there. Yeah. I don't, um, yeah. And I don't like probably a lot of us. I don't think about myself a lot. Like I, I, I think I have a pretty high level of self-awareness, but I'm, I'm, I don't spend a lot of time like analyzing myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I remember, um, I remember Gary Keller saying to one of the board members and then the board member relaying to me, like, Gary saying, Chris is one of the most resilient people I've ever met. Like the, the guy is resilient. Doesn't matter how many times you knock him down, he gets up. And and then I look back and go, yeah, that that's a consistent theme, you know, in in, in my life. Did you did you learn that from someone or like a mentor or is that just sort of how you've shown up and you've realized? that's been one of your keys to, to success. Um, no, I don't think, I, I don't think I'd learned that from someone. I think it, it, um, it just, you know, there's things that happen when you're little kids and, 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 
and that sort of shapes you. And, and so there was just a lot of things that happened, I think, that just sort of shaped that. Okay. And the, um, uh, and so I've just always, that's just been one of the ways I've won. Cool. It was like just, it. you know, um, I, my, my, I remember my best friend several, many years ago said, um, if we're picking teams, I'd pick Chris, not because he's the most talented. In fact, he's not even close, <laughs> but, but he has, he has the most heart. What uh, are friends for? Right? Yeah. <laughs> let me, but, let me yeah. compliment you while making, making sure I can take a little dig. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. Let me, let me ask you this because you, you and I have talked about different books over the years and given each other books, you know, that, that had made an impact on us or that we thought the other uh, might like. If you had to name just one, and if you can't name one, if you got to do two or three, that's fine. What's the book that's either had the biggest impact on you or that you maybe gifted the most to others uh, because you hoped it would make an impact on them? Um, so there's been, a, there's been a lot of them. But if you put it in that way, so the ones I've gifted the most or... Um, so there's probably two that stick out and it's funny because they're both, um, they're both from a long time ago. And one was, uh, the psychology of winning by Dennis Waitley. And I saw him speak. I was in my early twenties and, uh, I somehow ended up in this place where he was speaking. I was in the front row and, um, and I, I don't, in my mind, there was no one else in the room. There was this him and me. And, um, and he said a lot of things that day that just like, like, you know, it was like a lightning bolt hit me. Um, in fact, I remember one of the things he said, so I'm going to write up 10 two letter words and the 10 two letter words he wrote up on the board. I think it was a chalkboard back then was, um, if it is to be, it is up to me. And what that meant to me was I'm responsible. I'm responsible for everything good, bad, and ugly that happens. Um, and that was, that was empowering, um, an empowering thought. Um, the other book um, that comes to mind is um, by Mike um, Harnacki. And the title, I think, is... Um, I'm probably messed up. I think it's the secret to getting um, anything you want, or I think it's called the. I think the secret is in the title. The the secret, or how to get everything you want, or the secret to getting whatever you want. But if you if you Google it or look on Amazon, um, Mike Harnacki, I think it's H A R N A C K I or something like that. I'll look it up and add it to the show notes. That's, uh, that's cool. W one thing I also, I know about you is, um, you walk most places when given the opportunity. Um, your health is, you know, you're very careful about what you eat or drink. Um, and obviously that, that shows like, uh, tell me it, what's the deeper thing there? Is that, uh, something that you've always done? Is it something that you do because you know, you have to be sharp for, business and the stuff that I know you like to, you like to experience life. You like to do things. And is it, is it a combination of that? Like where, where did that come from for you? 
Yeah, I think it came from a couple of places. Um, I have early memories. We, I, we lived in this one house till I was six years old, so I know I was below the age of six. And, um, and I remember sitting on the floor and my mom uh, standing there with a chair and she's watching Jack LaLanne. And she's, <laughs> she's doing the, the exercises with, you know, watching the TV. And I don't know how many episodes of Jack LaLanne I watched and, and how many times I heard him say the things he, heard, he said, but I think it was like a lot. And um, so from early on, you know, you are what you eat and all those, all those things that he, he used to say and do. And, and um, I think we're, <laughs> we're, we're embedded in me. Um, and then I think the other thing that I think, um, I bought a car when I was 16 and I'd saved up my money and, um, and my parents were moving away and I wasn't going to move with them. So I needed a car and that's a whole nother story. But, um, and I remember learning about the different types of oil and the different grades of gasoline that you put in a car. And I had this immediate connection that I, if, I'm going to put the best gas and the best oil in my car and I need to do the same thing with, with my body. Like this is, this is the only one I got. So I'm, why would I put, you know, anything but the best type of stuff into it? And so early on I was, I mean, I was shopping at a health food store when I was in high school and I think back and go, that was really weird. You know, um, now I did some other things that weren't healthy, but 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 I overall was like was very aware about you know what I consumed. Nice. Okay. And working out, I always worked out. I had, I think in junior high school, I asked for got a weight set for Christmas, and so I was always the little kid in the neighborhood that had a a, a bicep before the others. <laughs> Love it. Um, all right. So when it comes to, I'm going to, I'm going to do rapid fire. Cause I know we've, uh, we're running short on time. Um, paper calendar or electronic. Um, can you see it on the wall behind me? Okay. Yeah. This was an ad hoc question. I, I, don't, <laughs> I thought of it about 15 minutes ago when I was like, he's got a calendar behind him. I use both, but I'm very, I'm visual. So it's really helpful for me to to be able to take a glance and see what I what I have coming up in three months. Or if someone says, "Hey, you want to go um, go do this uh, on Labor Day?" Um, I can look and see. Yeah, um, the I'm, I'm looking forward to the gorge. I've never been there myself. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So you know that reminds me. So next question: uh, What was the best concert you went to in two thousand in the last? Just call it the last year. Oh, I went there a lot last year. Um, I don't know that I can say best. I mean, uh, we went to Nine Inch Nails, and that, that I awesome. really, that, I really like that. Um, the Foo Fighters would have been way up there, but it was just, it was so loud, it was almost distracting. So, that was, but it was really good. Yeah, you know, I saw U two a couple times, Magic Dragons, A One Nation, Twenty One Pilots. Um, and several others I'm sure I'm not remembering, but um, it's rare for me to go to a concert that, uh, that where I go, oh, that wasn't very good. I mean, you know, yeah. I just like going to them. I even went to an Andrea Bocelli concert last year. Uh, thank you, Nina. 
Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yes, if it weren't for Nina, that wouldn't have happened. But <laughs> I was, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. It was, it was very cool. Uh, maybe we'll do a part two one day, and I'll have you tell the story of getting off the train and realizing Marilyn, Marilyn Manson was playing across the street. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that at the at the follow up uh, interview because I got a few other questions I want I want to ask, but. I wanted to ask that because I know music is such a big part of your life. You and I went to some pretty amazing concerts together last year and, uh, and separately. And I feel like that's one of the things that we always uh, talk about uh, because it's, it's, you know, I think we both just draw so much out of live music. Yeah. Um, so play fantasy football still? Yes. How long have you been doing that? Well, so I've been in, I'm in multiple leagues, but, but one of them, this was our 27th or 28th year. Whoa. That's awesome. You know, internet. this was back in when we had to clip the box scores out of the newspapers. That's awesome. Um, I'll tell you the reason I, I asked fantasy football question. Obviously I knew that I knew the answer, but number two is for me, business wise, I actually learned a lot of lessons about business from fa playing fantasy sports. Um, I personally had to give up fantasy baseball if I was going to ever be in business because it's, it's like a job for nine months a year. Uh, with the daily lineups and the pitching changes, et cetera. But I'll, I'll tell you, I remember thinking, man, if I could put this much effort as I do into my fantasy teams, into some sort of business, I probably would be pretty good at it. Yeah. And, Cause it's numbers and it's equations and it's predicting what's going to, what's going to happen based off of previous results. And uh, so it's kind of like a system. So. Uh, yeah. And it also shows you what the, the, the power of, um, of doing something that you're interested in or that you have a passion for. Yeah, I think that's really true. Um, okay, back to, uh, I'm going to go real estate specific here. Best piece of advice you could give to somebody who's a real estate agent now 2019 and beyond, because obviously the landscape is changing. I buyers, disruptors, acquisition, this, you know, all the things that are a lot of noise, I'll say in our industry these days. And for someone, whether they're new or experienced, they come to you and say, Chris, I, you know, man, this is how I make my money. What, what, what do I need to be doing? What should I be focused on here in 2019 and going forward? Okay. I'll, um, so the bulk of the disruption or, or the would-be disruptors is, um, is driven by consumer behavior and, and, you know, technology has shaped consumer behavior and now consumer behavior is shaping te technology. And that behavior that, that we all participate in is we want things easy. We want things predictable. We want things um, fast. We want them transparent. We want certainty. And it's absolutely critical that agents provide that and figure out how to provide that. And it doesn't have to be um, and, and we should leverage technology to do that, but it's not, it's not reliant upon technology. You know, it's just, it's just really upping, upping the game that we play, the communication game, the setting expectation game, the, the, the level of service and experience we provide to clients um, needs, to, needs to meet and exceed their expectations and understanding that expectations are much different now than they used to be. Yeah, you know, I remember, I don't remember the exact quote. I wish I had looked this up before we hopped on today, but um, I had written it down. Actually, somebody had taken notes at a, I don't know if it was a mastermind or a class that you had presented on in 
a year or two ago, and it was essentially like good customer service. You know, it's no longer about um, good customer service. It's it's about the customer experience or something to that effect. And uh, I remember reading that. I was like, wow, Chris really nailed it there. I wish I wish I'd been at that at that class that day. So um, that kind of that lines up, I think, with, with what you're just saying. Um, okay, next question. This is one I ask. I ask everybody the same question: is um, top 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 three pieces of advice for just kind of kicking more ass in general, whether that be business, work, life, family, um, personal. You know, someone comes to you, you care about them, or you have some sort of maybe mental relationship with them, and they just say, "Hey, Chris, what are what are the top three things I should really focus on to be better in life?" Yeah. Um... I don't know if these are the top three things, but these are the top three that are coming to mind. Um, just do the right thing. Just always do the right thing. Um, uh, secondly, be willing to do whatever it takes. You know, having the willingness, which is where I, which is sort of the punchline of that second book that I mentioned. And it doesn't mean so obviously that's within the, the constructs of what's legal and moral and all those things, but having the willingness to do whatever it takes is, is such a big piece of what I believe it takes to be successful. Um, and then uh, one of my mentors early on said this so many times, it's always pops into my head when I get questions like this, and that is show up, pay attention, tell the truth, and don't be attached to the outcome. And that, I heard that so many times and, and put that into practice as best I could every day. And, uh, and that was really powerful advice. You know, I think it's that last part that don't be attached to the outcome that's, that is um, a struggle for most. I know for me too, it, it is, even though I'm, you know, I'm willing to do repetitive things. Uh, even though I, from a, you know, I get bored, but I, I still will do repetitive things. And it's something I see with a lot of folks uh, in our industry. And, and I'm sure outside too, that it's that, it's that outcome is, you know, I think if I did X, why don't I get Y? And it's just one of the things I've always tried to stress to myself and to the agents around me is, um, you know what, just because we do the right thing today, doesn't mean it's necessarily going to come back from that. Like you could make your 20, 25 contacts today, right? It doesn't mean one of those 25 contacts are buying or selling real estate with you in the next year. Even it might just be the random phone call you get that night. Cause you put activity into motion. Yeah. So I think that not being attached to the outcome is, is really important. And it's a theme that I've seen come up uh, over and over because we can't control that outcome. What we can control though is ourself. Yeah. And it, it allows you, allows us to be much more powerful when we're not attached to the outcome. Cause when you're attached um, someone else or something else has power over you and, and that's, you know, you don't want to lose or give away your power. Absolutely. Um, okay. So here we are. It's 2019 stuff's stuff's changing in our world. Um, I know obviously you're heavily invested in, in the real estate world. Um, but let's just say real estate went away for whatever reason, or you couldn't participate in a real estate business where, where would you spend your time, efforts, resources? Like what, what other business, if you, if you had one, uh, and you can make this up on the fly. One of my favorite guys that I learned from is named Adam Robinson. He says, you know, the thing is, I never know what I'm, uh, I'm about to say until I say it. 
right. um, because I try not to pre-think it. So I want to, I want to give you permission there that that's okay. Um, but let's say real estate wasn't on the table for you. What's Chris Heller doing uh, going forward business-wise? Um, I think maybe a couple things. One is I would look for um, a business that, that I would start or own. Um, that was something that I had interest in that I could, that I could scale. Uh, and I have no idea at this moment what that would be. But the other thing I would do is um, I enjoy helping in, in consulting or advising um, other companies and, and, and other entrepreneurs. And so I think, I think I would find a way to, to do that on a, on a bigger level. And it, and it wouldn't have to be real estate because, you know, um, I recently had this conversation with someone and said, well, you don't know anything about you know, this part of the business. I said, you're right, but I know how to create processes. I know how to build accountability. I know how to, to assess where the choke points are and the problems and, and come up with solutions. Um, so uh, that skill set um, is transferable, transferable, you know, to any industry or any job. And so um, there's a lot of companies and entrepreneurs that um, that I would you know love to help and assist. And then also sales, you know, just straight sales. There's so many sales organizations out there that um, that could be so much better. That you know that I would want to. I would want to help whether it's their call center teams or whoever they are. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, one of the things I believe um, is that if you can learn to run a really great real estate team, um, you're essentially giving yourself an education in business and you could go run many other businesses and, and really learn uh, from there to, to have any sort of business you want. Yeah. Cool. Well, Chris, uh, number one, I appreciate you personally. I appreciate your time today. Uh, is there any, any parting shots that you want to share before we sign off? No, I think, um, look at this is, uh, hopefully whoever listens to this gets something out of it that's beneficial or useful to them. Um, and I think that's really important for all of us to keep looking at ways that we can keep continuing to grow and learn. And, uh, so I guess that's the parting shot. Don't stop learning and growing. Awesome. Chris, thanks a lot, man. I look forward to seeing you and talking to you again soon. And uh, Next Level Podcast listeners, thanks a lot for listening in today. Share this with somebody because I, I know that Chris, uh, Chris just dropped a bunch of nuggets. I can't wait to go back personally and take my notes on it. And, uh, and so just thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Talk to you I soon. Hey guys, I want to take a minute here to make sure you know all about the event Next Level Agents Live, April 25th and 26th, 2019 in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is a two-day event brought to you by myself, Fred Weaver, and our business partner, Cody Gibson, in the Next Level Agents Facebook group. Now, this is going to be the best real estate event of the year, hands down, guaranteed, or your money back. We will be bringing experts from all sorts of different niches in real estate, leadership speakers, etc. You wouldn't even believe the cost. To go get all of the details and to register now, you can do that at nlalive.com. That's nlalive.com to register. We'll see you April 25th and 26th, 2019 in Las Vegas, Nevada for NLA Live 2019. See you there. Register now. That's it for today's show. Do me a favor if you enjoy this. 
go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to that. Leave us a review. Share this episode with your friends. And for more great content, check us out in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash next level agents. That's facebook.com forward slash groups next level agents. See you soon.